Welcome back to the Inclusion Solution Live podcast. I'm your co-host, Rochelle Yunan Montgomery, and I'm here with my colleague, Kevin Carter, who's the Vice President of Strategy and Assessments um, with the Winters Group. During season five, Physiology of Inclusion, Finding Ease, we're exploring how to be well as you do well in diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice work. And so while this is challenging, we can improve our resilience and our peace by leaning into community care and continuing to deepen our learning. And so that is our goal uh, with this podcast. So Kevin. I'm just uh, really excited to be back and continue our conversation. And this time we really get a chance to get into the sort of the, the details of the physiology of inclusion, uh, talk about why it's important, um, uh, share some of our stories behind it. So I'm excited for this uh, this session and just excited to be back here with you to talk about it. Likewise, yeah, likewise. So um, as Kevin mentioned, we're gonna dive deeper into physiology of inclusion. Um, but before we begin, Kevin, I'd love to know just for listeners, um, a bit more about your background and expertise. Why should we, why should we listen to you <laughs> about this? Well, you know what, I would say I've been in the diversity inclusion field since the mid 90s, uh, general manager for DNI for, uh, for BP for the Americas, um, work with, in DNI for Campbell Soup and Ahold and a variety of companies. And most of my work has always been in um, analysis, metrics, and strategy. It is really, you know, the topic that we're talking about now in terms of physiology of inclusion. You know, I hate to say I was forced into that, uh, but just to maintain my well-being, uh, I needed to learn more about uh, about sort of how to, you know, what again I've always talked about. How do I maintain that non-anxious, affirming, and committed presence? And I'm finding that that is particularly important in doing the kind of work so that people listen to analysis, uh, that people engage in in strategy, and that people are willing to hold themselves and others accountable. I think it is the most important element to be um, to do well in DNI work right now. Yeah, absolutely. I've been having this the same conversation with a lot of friends in the in the field and doing mission driven work that noticing when we're not centered, when we're not grounded or sort of coming from a place of ease in our work, then that impacts our effectiveness and also how we treat one another. And and so we're taking this time to slow down and really unpack, okay, what do you actually need to put in place? It's much easier said than done, but what do you need to put in place so that you can show up um, in, in, these in these different settings um, and to be more effective in what we're doing? And so I'd love to know, Kevin, why is this important and, and what is the physiology of inclusion framework? Yeah, so the, the framework has six components in it. Um, first, it is, I would say, holistic. It is comprehensive, and it is kind of common sense. So we would say it had two parts, one uh, foundational, kind of foundational components that allow you to do the work, and then the other would be enabling components. We'll talk about those a little bit. But at, at a really high level, common sense is foundational. You know, where am I at in terms of my body, uh, in terms of my mind, in terms of my emotions? And, and what am I bringing? That, that's why we think it's foundational, meaning, you know, in terms of your body, are you bringing some strength, recovery, and energy to, to do this work? When you think about your emotion, are you bringing some self-awareness, some self-confidence, some self-esteem, 
um, to engage in this work and even just being able to name emotions. And then in terms of mental presence, am I bringing a clear, creative and a positive thinking mind to this work? So we think those are really foundational. Um, and then enabling ones, we'd say a spiritual presence um, that you can think of purpose beyond yourself and find a way to do that. Social presence that this work doesn't get done without uh, people who are, um, who are close to you, um, who are people who are within your network and practical. You want to, you got to get some things done. You have to accomplish some tasks and some goals. So those are the, um, the six components divided into the sort of the two, um, two areas. And for us, we found in this work, we always kind of jumped to the practical, getting things done. But now what we're fine, and we also we often reference the social, meaning we've got to connect with each other to do this work. But boy, we underestimated the physical, the emotional, and the mental. And it's really taken a toll on practitioners now, uh, given the threat to DNI programs that we see. And so we, we think the phys physiology of inclusion is the right framework for this moment so that practitioners can be well, but also do well in this work. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what came to mind as you're describing these is, is exactly that. We jump to the practical, we jump to, you know, social, those feel more in line with you know, white supremacist culture and more in line with a sense of urgency. We got to get stuff done. These these issues and these problems are um, systemic and real, and we experience them in our own lives and the impact of them in our own lives. And yet we so often fail to slow down to really recognize, oh, like how I take care of myself outside of my work will impact the way I'm showing up, um, and especially when it comes to managing secondary trauma, compassion fatigue, um, and if we are in, if we happen to be in a toxic work culture, how we can um, not only survive but find moments um, uh, of even thriving, right? And to to recognize the possibility there, and that there there are liberatory ways that we can show up. Um, and, and lean into supports. And so, um, yeah, so I'd love to know, can you, can you uh, unpack each of these components um, for the foundational level? Yeah, so in terms of the physical, well, you see all that, you see all this equipment behind me. <laughs> um, so to, to that degree, we would say the physical is this idea of bringing sort of strength and, and recovery and energy to the work, but how do you get there? That's going to be through, you know, regular exercise. That's going to be through adequate sleep. That's going to be through good nutrition. And, and sometimes you might say, well, of course, you all, you, of course you need that. You know, we, we, we need to do that for everything. But those, the physical does drive, you know, my ability to be patient. It does drive, it does connect to my ability to be creative, um, um, and that's really, really be important. And, and I would say, and to stay into the battle. So that's really the physical. Um, and then this emotional piece is we would say, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we talk about like emotional literacy, our ability to name our emotions and to pause for a moment to name our emotions and to, and be comfortable with going through, through therapy and, and getting, getting help around some things that might be, we're struggling with maybe journaling. All those kinds of things allow us to, I would always say to be 
that non-anxious presence um, and to really be able to put yourself in somebody's shoes because you're able to get out of your own, you know, kind of get, get out of your own way. And then the mental piece, um, really, as you break it down, I always say it's, are we bringing that clear, creative and positive thinking through this work? And that is through maybe some, some meditation. Um, it is through some continuous learning. It could be even things like video games, you know, just things that, you know, really get your mind working um, and um, build some uh, elasticity in, in your mind is, is really, really important. Um, now, lots of times people would go like, well, wait a minute, those are kind of common sense. Yeah. And to some degree, they're common sense. But I think practitioners really underestimated how important they were to this work. And you know what, if you had to choose between, hey, I'm going to go to another strategy workshop, as opposed to I'm going to go through a wellness workshop, I think you need to go to that wellness workshop. Um, you got you got plenty of strategy. And to some degree, some of those things we do in strategy and analytics and metrics haven't changed all that much. Um, but this work here, this foundational component is, is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. I have so many thoughts about that. I, I want to know, Kevin, um, what are you going to do today, tomorrow for your physical health? Like, get, just take us through for you what that looks like. Well, for me, the uh, good morning is wake up in the morning. Uh, always say nice big glass of water. Um, then I will take anywhere from either 20 to 30 minute walk with hills or I'll get on the rower that you see behind me. I'll get on the bike that you see behind me. Uh, and then I will engage in some kind of strength training. It might be that Pilates mat. And then some things that I engage in, I use um, heart math um, to sort of, uh, sort of work on my um, deep breathing. Um, I also do, I'll use this Muse device to really kind of get in touch with my brain waves and, and, to, and to calm myself. And so that would be a day for me where if I spend that hour and a half right at the beginning of the day doing that, I'm ready for the day. And I find that when I don't, I'm, I'm less patient. I'm more apt to be irritable. Um, uh, more apt to sort of not be as creative. So that's how, how I start the day. That's so beautiful. I heard a statement recently. I, I participate in many wellness and yoga workshops. That's important to me. And I heard a statement about this um, idea that the veil between sleeping and waking is thin. Um, meaning that precious time in the morning of just to, to slow down, to where, and we tend to go into hyperactivity in our minds. And so the importance of connecting mind and body, especially in the morning, even if it's a walk, even if it's some stretching, some gentle movement, some dance, like whatever it is that, that feels um, restorative is, is so crucial to set you up for a day of um, you know, successful work and, and even taking breaks within the day too. So thinking about how you and other colleagues are on the bike sometimes during our all staff calls or on a treadmill during the all, we see Kevin like kind of bobbing side to side on a bike yeah, exactly. like, during our calls. I mean, you really live it also celebrating it too. So when this comes to team culture, I've seen in our like internal, you know, Slack channels, one time, some colleagues decided to take a walk and talk for their check-in, right? Like when the weather was good, just, hey, let's get away from our screen. Let's walk and talk. 
to have our meeting and then to come back in and, and celebrate it, share it with the team and model it. Um, it's in fact, one of our producers of the podcast uh, who's listening right now was um, the per one of the people that did that. And I just think that's phenomenal. I've always remembered it and now feel permission in a way to do that with my colleagues um, that I work with more closely for my check-in. So I just, those are some tangible examples that I've mm -hmm. seen even at the winner's group that have been really powerful. So thanks for sharing your, some of what, what that looks like for you as well. I also think something that's important to highlight in what you shared about the foundational is that so often we want to separate our work life and our personal life. We compartmentalize so easily, um, but not recognizing how interconnected they are and that the choices we make outside of work absolutely shape how we show up. Um, and so I'd love for you to share why these elements are essential and, and share a bit about the guided practice that, that listeners are going to experience. Yeah, so the guided practice we're going to do uh, in the next episode is Inside Dialogue. And it is um, a relational meditation. Um, I won't go into a lot of detail, but I think folk, it, 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 a big part of it is, is pausing, relaxing, how you foster openness, uh, listening deeply and then speaking your truth. Um, and we'll actually go, we'll walk through it. Um, it is what I begin my sessions with. And um, and it interesting, I had a session where um, a client thought that the it was just not gonna go well this session. There were too many disruptive people that were part of the session. We did inside dialogue at the beginning, a couple of the exercises. The session went amazingly well with people sharing. Um, so again, it's these foundational um, elements that I always, sometimes I always say they're the being part that allow you to get to the doing part, which could be the enabling, you know, um, which is, um, we know we want to get there. We want to get there again, having that right presence to, to get, to move into the enabling component. Yeah, absolutely. And are there any, um, stories that you want to share. I know there was one one story you wanted you thought about sharing with our listeners. Um wondered if you'd be willing to do that. Yeah, so um um I think I mentioned it maybe one of, maybe at the first podcast is so one of the reasons I got into this work, I meaning this part of this work was because I have had a heart attack. Uh, most recently during COVID, I was taking care of my mom and and she got really went through dementia. And, and got to a point where she was very violent um, toward me and very, very forgetful. And, and I recognized that I really wasn't prepared to handle that. And it, it, it impacted me mentally, physically, emotionally, impacted my work. Um, but I was able to sort of lean back into these and really um, name some of the emotional fears that I was going through allowed me to remember um, the good aspects and the good times that I had with my mother and cherish, cherish those. And so for me, it kind of reinforced the importance, importance of this work. And I was, um, I was glad that we had established this framework then um, be, um, because I, I was able to lean, I was able to lean into it, uh, particularly these foundational elements. It, it was nothing about being able to say, to exercise, to meditate, and to name my emotions, to be able to say, to realize and, and cherish what I still had left of my mom um, and view that as a glass half full and not 
some of the episodes that she would go through as the glass half empty. And we have to do that with this work. <laughs> um, sometimes we can all, we can look at this work as always glass half empty. Um, I would, I think foundational components allows you to say, Oh, you know what? There's also the glass half full. Oh my God. Wow. It's a beautiful story. Thank you. Um, nearly bringing me to tears. I think that what I want to highlight for listeners in that is that there wasn't a sort of minimizing of your own pain or toxic positivity or, oh, let's just sort of kind of mantra my way through this, but really to come back to these um, foundational components because they'd already been kind of established in your mind, you had this framework and to slow down enough to see more clearly, to, to get into your body, like be embodied and to see and feel the reality of what was happening with your mother and come to a place of, of seeing the glass half full um, because you'd been willing to slow down enough and tune in um, as opposed to numbing or sort of pushing it away. So that's huge. Like just I'm recognizing what tuning in looks like for you sounds like is moving your body is slowing down, meditating, creating space to then, you know, shift your perspective. Is that right? Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, um, cause I, I think that is, that is true. Um, cause it, it does move you into the, to the doing, I know we're going to talk about enabling components and, and, um, and I would say as we move into it, because I'd love to hear, you know, what you'll share about that and your your personal experience. One of the things that as I observe you is, you know, when I think about the enabling components, I do think you model them. But I think you model them because you're also doing your own foundational components. But, you know, when I think about you, I do see this idea of the spiritual uh, component, which is a purpose that is that is greater than yourself. And, and that gives you a way to connect to other people, which is the social. Um, and then, but you're always about getting things done and getting things done right. And that's where they all kind of all come together, you know, where because I have my own foundational um, um, practices, which you do, I can then lean into the enabling um, component. So that's, that's my, you know, kind of set up to both kind of overview the enabling components, but then I'd love for you to talk more about it. Yeah, great. Well, tell us about tell us about the enabling components, and then I'd be happy to share. Yeah, well, one is again, as I said, that's spiritual. It is purely being able to see beyond personal need, and sometimes that's through advocacy, um, that's through activism, maybe that's through prayer, maybe that's just through connecting with nature. But it's this idea around I can see beyond my own personal needs, mm -hmm. uh, and I can connect with something that's greater than myself. Uh, social presence, this idea is, you know, your ability to foster positive relationships and social inter interactions. And that could be by spending time with some loved ones, joining communities, establishing networks, and gaining, uh, engaging in meaningful conversation. All that's there. And then the practical presence is achievement and, and accomplishing things and accomplishing tasks and, and reaching goals. That could be, you know, that could be time management uh, all the way to a, a DNI a diversity and equity inclusion strategy, but it is about getting things done and a degree to which you get things done in a way that's greater than yourself, um, I think just pulls all of that together to make you feel really good about um, what you're doing. 
you know, you in fact have, um, you both been well, but also done well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So for, for me, what's interesting in reflecting and hearing you talk about this, um, if anyone out there knows about the Enneagram, I'm, the, I'm an Enneagram type three, which is literally called the achiever. And so I like how the Enneagram sort of breaks down when I'm in a healthy place and when I'm in a not so healthy place. And for so much of my life, like I'm a child of divorced parents, I've had a lot of trauma, um, emotional abuse, like growing up, um, I would I would compensate with achieving and performing and like, you know, turning on the charm and winning people over. And that worked until it didn't. <laughs> and, and so I'm coming from that place where the achieving side of it and the goal setting and getting stuff done, not only does our culture celebrate that, it's something that I got, I, I learned it sort of as a child somewhere along the way where I will in my mind, it was like, I can get love and my sense of worth is by what I produce and, you know, by achieving and um, performing in the world. Um, I also being mixed race, like I have an understanding of and I can play the game around individualist culture, white supremacy culture. I can do the song and dance, but also I'm tuned into collectivist culture and my family in Egypt and my father being an immigrant and sort of community care. And so I think in my really in my 20s and into my 30s, I've started to I burnt out and saw how that wasn't working. And I've leaned more into the spiritual. And so and to say I'm coming to my work from a place of nothing to prove. Here's who I am. And it's daily work. Sometimes it's painful to be like, oh, I'm doing the mask thing again. Oh, I'm doing the performing thing again. What does it look like to slow down, to just be real? to share what's really going on for me, to tune into my emotions and not perform or achieve my way out of this thing, because that's my form of numbing in a way, like achieving, performing. Um, and so for, for the spiritual component of um, enabling, I think one, I mentioned this earlier, but there's this, there's this uh, way that sometimes I used to use mantras to the point where I was lying to myself. Mm. And affirmations to the point where I was lying to myself. Like one is a mantra that really resonated with me uh, maybe a couple years ago is I am not my work or my worth is not tied to my productivity. Um, but it didn't always sit right because I know that I think I've done this like a lot of deep spiritual work to really be crystal clear that my worth is not tied to what I produce. Um and so if I'm honest, I feel really good when I take responsibility for my work and when I'm doing my best. Um, so the mantra now has shifted to my family comes first. I take breaks often. I say no. Um, and I ask for help when I need it. That's really hard for me to ask for help. It's really hard. <laughs> um, and I do my best and that's enough. And so that when I tune into my gut, like that puts my body at ease when I say those words out loud and when I say them to myself. Um, and it's still true that my worth is not tied to my productivity, um, but I also feel like I like to be productive, but I also have balance and limits with it. Um, so spiritual bypassing is this term that I think is helpful for me, where sometimes, again, if we're so tuned into the spiritual and we're not doing our work to take responsibility or to do some of these other practical pieces or some of these other enabling pieces. Um, it can be harmful to yourself and the people around you. 
um, we minimize, it gets into the toxic positivity stuff. We, we over identify with the perhaps being greater than ourselves, which is beautiful to have a spiritual practice. Um, and it's always the and for me, what else are we, what else are we doing in our life to kind of own what, what our impact in the world? Now, um, you know, it's interesting when you said your gave your order because I, I I do want to ask you about the guided practice. But when you mentioned that, it um, I have a, a mantra which is health, health, um, home, hobbies, and work, and that's the order: health, home, hobbies, and work. Um, so right when I when you said yours, it reminded me of mine. Um, share a little bit about um, what folks can I- I expect during your guided guided practice. Yeah. So for my guided practice, um, I will be I will be inviting folks to um, do some reflection, some breathing exercises. And the reflection is going to be around what needs to be released in order to fully show up or more fully show up um, in a life giving way um, in the world uh, and at work. And uh, we also do a body scan. So it's it's, again, just a really simple way to tune in and slow down. Um, and so, and I learned, in fact, learned a lot of these from the groups that I'm a part of outside of work. So to your point, Kevin, just work being last on the list. I want to share a real quick story on the practical side of things, um, setting boundaries. And I know this has become, it's become more like a buzzword. What does it actually look like? How do you actually do that? Um, so I think, one of the ways for me, like recently I was invited to join a com- you know, committee and um, I think the old version of me operating from I need to achieve would have said yes right away without tuning in and having regard for my own capacity. And I slowed down. I took a minute. I had this space between what's it called? The stimulus and response. There's that space mm-hmm. between every stimulus and response. And I only had that space because that morning I had like taken 15 minutes to stretch and breathe and meditate and take just take a minute to myself and kind of think about my day and what's on my plate. So I had space to respond with sort of like, I appreciate this invitation. And if I'm honest, I don't have capacity. Thanks anyway. <laughs> and so that's okay. Um, and I don't know, that might come with just being further along maybe now in my career. It could come with a lot of things, but boundaries is important. I just was, as I was reflecting, it's like, I don't have time to F around and find out, you know, (laughs) I I don't have time. I got little kids, like family is important to me. So that means when I'm clocking out, I'm clocking out for the day. Um, And then I think the other piece is just around what I expect from my colleagues uh, on the social side of things. So when I, I am delighted, when I have a deep connection with a colleague, I am delighted In the past, I used to expect that of my colleagues. I used to expect that they could meet me in a way that has like depth and connection and vulnerability. That actually caused a lot of suffering for everybody. It's like not everybody's coming to work to like have heart to hearts, Mm -hmm. like chill out. (laughs) So I found that outside of work. And wow, I found such a balance now with how I, I can come to work hopeful and open to like a deeper connection. And if it happens, awesome. If it doesn't, cool. Like kind, respectful is the name of the game, but it's not always about, we have to be best friends and be spiritual, like 
spiritually connected. Um, and that's where it's hard. I conflated work and kind of personal life in some maybe harmful ways to myself and others. But when it happens, it it's exciting. Um, so I wanted to make sure I shared that too. Like I had a therapist who told me once, it's like you're trying to find oranges at the hardware store in what you expect of your work colleagues and what you expect of work. And I hated that she said that. In the I, At first I was like, mm-mm not buying it. I don't like it. Like, no, I can find oranges at the hardware store. And now that's what comes to mind every time I'm like, oh, I'm putting a lot on this colleague to like be really deep and vulnerable. And maybe there's a level with which we can just like do our work and chill. So <laughs> anyway, that that's important. Um, okay. So I want to transition us. I know we're, we're running out of time. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to share just in response to what we've talked about so far? No, again, I can't wait to um, experience your guided practice. It, it is, I think the things I pull out of it is pausing, relaxing, but still being energized, which is the goal of foundational components allow you to, to move into the enabling components in, in an effective way. And because if you jump to those and you are, impatient, if you are anxious and you are um, void of energy, you will not, you will be less than optimal as you move into the enabling components and, and try to get to the pragmatic. So just love having this conversation. I'm excited about, um, about doing my um, guided practice next. So I want to really make sure that um, our listeners join in and experience that with us. Great. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I agree. I think one, one thing that comes to mind is mental hygiene. So I, I want to invite our listeners, maybe as your next right thing or something that you can do between, uh, you know, maybe this week, something you can do this week. Think about your mental hygiene as one of these components, um, as one of the enabling components. Just what are you taking in? And can you start to have some kind of maybe limits around what you take in because all of that impacts your mind, body, and how can you just make a different choice? You know, one small pivot in the direction of ease. Um, and so with that, that's what we have for our conversation today. Kevin, I so enjoyed connecting with you, having this conversation, and also can't wait to hear your guided practice um, as well. Really looking forward to participating with our listeners in that guided practice. I think you'll really, really enjoy it and want you to take it into your work with your colleagues, clients. Um, I think you'll find it to be very effective. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us uh, today on the Inclusion Solution Live podcast. We hope you found this episode insightful and inspiring, and we want to hear from you. So please submit your questions to info at wintersgroup.com or any social media platform um, that we're on, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And until next time, find your ease and center justice. <laughs>